Oh my, such expectations. <laughs> so first of all, uh, greetings. Happy Thanksgiving. All right. Now, um, I want to say that um, as, as a part of my bio, and, and I really appreciate uh, Pastor Glenn, IT project management, being a project manager, that is my vocation. But this here, what I'm about to do tonight, is my avocation. Okay? This is, this is what it really is all about. Telling people about the goodness of Jesus Christ. That, that is really it. And, and so... Uh, because I've done some public speaking, even though I'm not a, a preacher, I'm more of kind of a corporate guy, so I have my PowerPoint slides, and I'm trying to convince people to give me millions of dollars to do projects and stuff like that, uh, I want to first start off with some ground rules, and I want to do some acknowledgments. So you guys okay? So ground rule number one, you guys already know, uh, I'm from a tradition of call and response. Everybody say yes? yes. Okay, you just qualified. You guys know how to do this. So if you want to say amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord, any of that stuff, all of that's good today. All right, this is church, and you can holler back. All right, okay. All right, number two, I want to start off with acknowledgments. Now, you guys got to help me. Help me. I need some help. This is where I need some help. I want to first acknowledge my wife. Okay? I'm sorry there. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I appreciate some of y'all standing up back there. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, it's going to keep me off the couch. Okay, uh, and I want to also acknowledge some of the other speakers and pastors that have done this uh, and that do this. They are Holy Ghost filled. They are saved, sanctified, called. They have a talent to do this. And I take it as just all humility that they would ask me or invite me to do this. And uh, one of the speakers that I'm always impressed with is Brother Richard Miles. Uh, in fact... If I could, I just want to call him the R because he keeps it real. He always has a relevant message. He keeps us focused on God's righteousness. I mean, he, he is the R, and I'm always taking something from him from an application standpoint, and I just love to hear him speak. Another speaker that we have here is, is Brother K, uh, excuse me, I call him K Swiss, Brother Keith. Brother Keith, uh, I know I call him K Swiss because he looks, he's, he's so fresh and so clean. He dresses so well, I'd be curving by his house hoping he throws out his clothes. You know, he's just so well-dressed. But he, he always comes up here and he tells us that God loves you. God loves us. And you can't measure how deep it is. You can't see where it is. He gave us a whole planet, y'all. A whole planet and a universe to explore. God loves us and he sacrificed his son for us. And Keith gives us that message all the time. Now, the last three people I want to acknowledge and recognize are P, you know them by their initials, PJ, PG, and OG, okay? <laughs> all right, all right. So, PJ, we're going to start off with Pastor Joe. All the young people say amen. amen. All right, so you know who Pastor Joe is. Pastor Joe, uh, brother, you are just when he comes up here, he just shouts you. I want to jump up and down and stuff, right? I mean, he's just, he's just the old school preacher. And he looks so young. You know, he looks like Santa Claus when he was like 30, right? He's got such a nice manicure beard. Oh, man. So, so parents of these young people who just say amen, if you want to know if your child's been naughty or nice, okay, I'm just going to say it like that. And, of course, there's, there's Pastor Glenn. I, and, you know, I could do a sermon on Pastor Glenn. I mean, seriously, he has just been such a blessing to our church. And you guys know the story about the guys with the five talents and the four talent? Well, uh, this is the guy with all the talents. He can play 
the keys. He can play the guitar. He can preach and sing and speech and teach. He can play soccer. He can play basketball. I think that's all of them. Uh, he golf. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'm going to stop. All right, that would be my whole message, okay? So he's got all these talents, and we, and we just love having him here. And, and last but not least, uh, y'all give it up for our senior pastor, uh, Pastor Gene Smith. Y'all give it up. Give it up. He, he's the OG. Now, some of you young people, that's not original gangster. That's original gospel guy, all right, and one of the founders of our church. Okay, so um, I want to make sure I, I'm, I'm with my checklist, so I've acknowledged my wife. Pastors said, said hello. Okay, it's time to pray. Will you all bow your heads? All right. Father, because you have taught us that delayed obedience is still disobedience. Now, in the words of the psalmist, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Jesus, you are my strength and my redeemer. It is in your precious name that we pray and all of God's children said, amen. amen. All right. So a few months ago when I was volunteered, I mean volunteered uh, to, to speak with you today, uh, I was asked to put some words together around Thanksgiving. Uh, I, wanted, I was thinking about turkey and, you know, tofurkey for some of you vegetarians out there. Uh, I was just thinking about all kinds of cool stuff that I could talk about with food and being thankful and pilgrims. But then God asked me a question as I was constructing this. He said, is Thanksgiving the only holiday or special day that is happening during this time of the year? And I said, oh, I know exactly what he wants me to talk about. Class, sorry, church. What is the day after Thanksgiving call? I'm sorry, a little louder. Very good. And what is the Monday after Thanksgiving called? Okay, everybody under the age of 20 knows that one. Okay, good. Now, here's what you may not know. These are the two biggest holidays on the retail calendar because every single month in a calendar year, January, May, June, retailers lose money. They go in the red. But on Black Friday, and the reason it's called Black Friday is because all those losses, they don't even think about it, okay? They don't even think about it because they make up for all those losses with everybody in the United States, everyone in America going into stores or going online and buying and shopping. Can you imagine? You're hemorrhaging money for eight months of the year, nine months, 10 months, then all of a sudden, one day, boom, it all turns around. And then from Black Friday all the way to Christmas Eve, that's really where they make profit of those all of those companies who do retail. That's, that's the story of, of Black Friday. That is just an incredible time for companies to watch their, watch their profits go from the red to the green to the black. And so that's why we, we call it Black Friday. And it's also during this time that Americans, you and me, go into debt trying to, well, really spending money we don't have, buying gifts to impress people we don't like. And guess what? They don't like us either. That, that, that's the truth. So instead of falling into the debt trap, instead of talking about Turkey, uh, I'm going to give you God's word on debt. I'm going to give you a testimony from the Egyptians during the time of Joseph. And I'm going to give you an illustration of how it feels to be debt-free. And some of you young people are already there. Stay there. Stay there. Don't, don't get into debt. 
Okay. All right. And hopefully we'll have a little fun before it's done. So let's get started. All right. So um, you guys know Deion Sanders, right? Okay. And now if you went to Florida State, you most absolutely know Deion Sanders. I always like Deion Sanders because uh, now he's retired. He's, got a, he's in the Hall of Fame. He does something called the top five. All right. So I'm going to do something just like that. I'm going to give you God's top five reason why he wants you out of debt. All right. So what's this number? Five. A little louder. Five. Number five. God, God calls us and only into one debt, one debt. And that debt is a debt of love. And you have the scripture up here. Uh, oh, no man, anything but to love one another for that love, for one, loving one another, fulfills the law. That is the only debt he's ever asked you to have. All the other debts are not a reward, or they're more like a curse, and they're from the enemy. But this is the only thing he's ever asked us to do. And I like how Paul lays it out here because it's backed up by what Jesus said. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is all he's ever asked for. That's the only debt. So I'm sorry. Uh, MasterCard or Disaster Card, uh, American Depress, Capital One. No, it's love. And uh, so let's go to the next slide. What's this number? Four. All right. Proverbs, because you know I got to talk about Solomon. Uh, let me say this. Young people, everything that Solomon says about money is on spot, on point. You can literally take it to the bank, but don't follow any of his dating advice. No, 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 no. 499, he, listen, 500 wives is too many. It's about 499 wives too many, okay? Don't, don't follow his dating advice, all right. But, but his financial advice is, is, is perfect. Just as the rich rule the poor, so is the borrower the slave to the lender. I believe that debt is modern, is modern day slavery. Let me, let me break it down this way. Currently, in just the student loan space, we're not even going to talk about car loans and payday loans and all this other stuff. There are 39 million people in the United States in debt. 39 people, 39 million, 39 million. That's like the population of two or three states, okay? The total amount of the student loan debt is 1.44 trillion. I lean into the mic for, for just a fact. Trillion. That's, that, that's amazing. That's just student loans. We're not talking about all the other types of debts you can get in there. Now, if you, look at that, um, if you look at that picture, it says, debt is stealing our freedom. And it has a picture there of someone behind bars. Well, actually, that's not true. That's actually a picture of imprisonment. I couldn't find a picture uh, of someone held down by chains. So uh, let's go to that next picture, because I think this, this next picture better illustrates it. Debt. It prevents you from doing things. That person can't do ministry can't give to, uh, can't invest in God's kingdom. That person can't go on a mission trip because he has to service his debt. Get out of debt. And God wants you in, uh, God wants you free. What number is this? Three. Number three, debt presumes upon tomorrow. Ecclesiastes, again, going back to Solomon. For no man knows the hour. No man knows when his hour is going to come. Being in debt is actually such a terrible state because now in this country and in some states, there are companies that you may owe debt to if you happen to pass away, and that may or may not happen to some people, they can actually go after your estate before you even give your money to your children as a part of your will. They get to 
say, hey, he owes me money. Can I have some of that money of his estate first? Before any money is given to your children's children, as Solomon asked us to do. All right. So I have a picture for that. Or do, I, do I have a picture for that? Let's go to the next one. Yes, that, that's, that's perfect. Debt doesn't totally take you underwater. It leaves your head up because you got to service the debt. And if you can't breathe, they, won't, they don't get paid. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, real loud. What's this number? Yeah. Number two. I love this one. Deuteronomy. This is Moses. Okay, I'm sorry. Deuteronomy feels like the second spanking. You know, you didn't hear it the first time, so he gave you the second spanking. Deuteronomy 8 and 18. And you shall remember the Lord, your God, for it's he who gives you the power to, to get wealth. I love this verse because it doesn't qualify anybody, Pastor. It doesn't say, men, you have the power to get wealth. It doesn't say, women, you have the power to get wealth, and only you. It doesn't say, children or young people, only you have the power to get wealth. It says, all of you have the power to get wealth. The problem is, when you go into debt, you give that power to someone else. I have a picture there um, of two structures. The first one is like the Bank of America Tower because they got everybody in debt. And that other little house, if you have one, that's yours. That's yours. So please don't get caught up into, well, I don't know if, uh, you know, that's, that's Deuteronomy, that's the children of Israel. No, 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 that's you. And that power is working because they can't build skyscrapers like that unless they have your money. Do you understand? Class say yes. All right, we're almost done. Number one. If Jesus has already paid the ultimate price for your freedom, then why go back to slavery? But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our wickedness. The punishment that should have been ours fell on him. What's the price? Um, the price is being betrayed uh, by your own people, being wrongly accused and convicted, being beaten and, I don't know, tortured as they ripped the flesh off his body, a crown of thorns. You, you know the thing that bothered me the most? All that is horrible. But having to carry the cross in that condition, I mean, I had a coach who used to make us run and run and run. And I was like, coach, are we done? One more time. And you know what I found out? If we didn't ask him, he wouldn't make us run anymore, right? But even still, he did all this to prepare us so we could play basketball. But God did this and more with his own son so that we could be free. Uh, Nathaniel, Samuel, Trendy, I love y'all. And I love all of you, but I'm not giving up any one of these for all of y'all. Do you understand? But God did that too. That's how much he loves us. Now, this would be a good message by itself. I could leave it right there and say, listen, I've told you God's word on debt. Debt is not a reward. Okay, debt is not something that is cool. I know you like to pull out your black card, but I'm, my question is, can he make the payments? You know, can he make the payments? So let's transition. Let's go right to Genesis because this is the real deal. What does God want you to do if not become a debtor? He wants you actually to become an investor. God wants you to invest. And so we're going to talk about Joseph. Because when I was putting this message to get together and he gave me that, I was thinking, oh, okay, we're going to talk about the guy with the four talents and the five talents. He said, no, 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 consider my servant Joseph, an investor. The Egyptians were in dire straits. 
God had given a dream to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh asked for Joseph, who had been languishing in prison. Uh, please go back and read Genesis uh, 37 through, excuse me, 33 through 37 uh, in your quiet time, because I can't give you all the highlights about Joseph. Talking about Joseph in itself is uh, a, a great message, but I want to talk to you about the Egyptians. So uh, Pharaoh calls. Pharaoh calls for Joseph. Joseph is asked to interpret the dream, and he correctly tells. Pharaoh, hey, the first seven years are going to be great, going to be plentiful. Going to, you're going to have things growing. You're going to have livestock. You're going to have all these awesome things happen to you. But then the next seven years are going to be so bad, so much dryness and famine and drought, you're not even going to remember the seven years where I prospered you. Okay? And so he goes on to say, Pharaoh, what you need to do is find a wise man. You need to have him collect one-fifth of all of the grain and livestock and produce of the land during the times of plenty, build up a granary, put it all in there, and then that'll allow you to survive the seven years of drought because the famine is going to be very severe. Interesting to note, uh, one-fifth is a fractional equivalence of 0.20, which equals 20%. Now, Pastor, we can talk about that later. Why the Egyptians, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good preaching spot here, but I said, Lord, I can't talk about 20%. I got I to gotta keep going on this. Talk about investing. So, let me tell you what happened. When the Egyptians found out that what they were going to do was save their way into salvation for the seven years of, of famine, they thought that God had actually given them a savings plan. But the truth is, God gave them an investment opportunity. And here's why. Those two statements I have on the board talk about the rules of savings versus the rules of investment. And here it is. And it hadn't changed since Joseph's time. The rule on savings is this. What you put in to your savings account, you can take out. But an investment has something different to say. An investment says what you take out is actually more valuable than what you put in. Okay? So you know what's going And here's how you know. The very next slide will tell you. The famine was over the face of the earth. So what does that mean? That means the famine was in the south, in Cush, in Ethiopia. The famine was west, in West Africa. The famine was north, in Turkey and Europe. The famine was definitely in the land of Canaan. And it was even as far away as Babylon. It was over the face of the whole earth. And so all countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was so severe in their lands. Now, I was thinking about this. They didn't have Facebook, no Instagram, no telephones. How on earth did they know there is grain in Egypt? Because the Lord, our God, pressed it upon their hearts and their mind. They knew there was one place where they could be saved, and that was Egypt, right? That was the only place that had grain. So God figured out a way. I mean, God figured out a way to prosper the Egyptians, not during the seven years of prosperity, but actually during the seven years of drought. I mean, think about it. When the brothers, when Joseph's brothers came out of the land of Canaan, went into Egypt, they asked for grain. Well, the Egyptians said, okay, well, what are you going to pay for it? And they gave up their gold. They gave up their silver. They gave up their precious jewels and incense and oils. And some people even sold themselves into slavery just to get grain. In other words, the grain that the Egyptians had was more valuable in the seven years of drought than it was during the seven years of plenty. This is the God we serve. He has a way of making you more 
prosperous coming out of a drought or a dry place than when you are in a plentiful place and everything is abundant. Now, some of you ought to be shouting right now because the next slide is going to tell you just this. In 2008 and 2009, this country was in a dry place. Some of us lost our jobs. Some of us lost our homes and a few of us lost our minds because we had never been in a situation where we just didn't have money or resources or things that we could do. That was then. And, and of course, oh, let, me, let me back up and say, the financial crisis didn't just happen here, did it? It happened over the face of the earth. In fact, there are countries like Ireland and Greece and Spain that are still in debt and are still suffering because of what happened in 2008 and 2009. Okay, but like I said, that was then. This is now. God has brought you out. Some of you who lost your jobs in 2008 have a business now. Okay, so you don't, in fact, you provide jobs for other people. Some of you used to sleep in your car because you lost your house. And now you're in a two-story house and you have two cars in your garage. Some of you lost your relationships. Because your spouse or whoever it was says, hey, you know, you lost your job and, and that's a contract. You know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. And, and, and you know what? Now you have a wife who's more valuable than rubies. This is what happens. This is how God brings you out. This is how God delivers you during these bad times that are going to happen and have happened. And so if we go to the next slide, I just want to tell you this. For some of us here today, we have not seen the deliverance of God from the stuff that happened in 2008. We still haven't gotten the job, haven't gotten the promotion, haven't gotten the house, the home. We haven't recouped some of the things that we lost in 2008. And I understand that. I get it. But I'm here to tell you that the Lord has not forgotten about you. You heard last week that our pastor told us to ask. Make sure you're asking. And you know what, in, in 2008, just like everyone else, I lost my job. And uh, my wife, uh, bless her heart, tried to encourage me. And she gave me this scripture, which you're reading here today, from the Psalms. And it says, hey, I've been young and I've been old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. That is true in my life. The Lord is ever merciful. I want to give you that encouragement today. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It's coming. You got to hold on. You got to hold on because he has not forgotten about you. All right. So the only other question is, well, hey, Larry, you don't want me to be in debt. You want me to be an investor. God wants me to invest. What do you want me to invest in? What should I what should I put my uh, effort to? Well, God is giving you time. He's giving you talent. He's giving you treasure. Uh, therefore, let us invest in the kingdom. You know, I like what Pastor Glenn said. He said, wow, we, we get to tithe. You know, tithing is an investment. You know, in the corporation, we talk about ROI. What is the return on your investment? You might not ever see the return. But here's what we know. The fact that you're able to tithe means God has already given you something. I would ask that you invest in people in the kingdom. That's what, I, that's what I love to do. I love to teach people how to win with money. 
That's my avocation. That's what I really like to do. I want to, I want to do two things for every Christian. I want to teach them how to win with money. I want to help them become wealthy. And I want to make them real thin. All right? All right? That's what I want to do. I want you to invest in people who are far off, our missionaries. I want you to invest in that. That's what God would like you to do. He wants you to invest in the unborn. That's the pregnancy center. He wants you to invest in prison ministries, people who are shut up, who, who can't come out, people who are sick and who are, who are laid in critical uh, care. He wants you to invest in them. And these investments will have a return. I'll give you a practical example. Uh, there's a young lady. Uh, her name is Bailey, and I checked this with her before I used her name. Uh, and she serves in the uh, nursery, so she works with the infants and the babies. Uh, I was speaking to her recently, and she says, you know, Larry, I'm graduating. I'm graduating in May of, of 2018. And I was thinking, wow, that's excellent, that's great. But my other thought was, wow, we're going to lose Bailey, right? How many of us have left our children in care with her? But she's about to transition and move on uh, to the next phase of her life. And my thought was, wow, we need to invest in Bailey. Uh, young people say amen. amen. And if you have a young person living with you, that's a good investment. You need to invest in them. Now, I'm personally investing in raise. I'm raising money to raise a building. And the reason we're raising that building is so we can make sure people like Bailey go to school and with her talent get a master's degree in education so that she can teach in that building so she can help raise the next generation for our Lord. You see how all this investing works? All this investing works together to those who believe and are called. I mean, that, all of it works together. You can't personally invest in everything. You just do your part. You'll be faithful to the thing that God has given you, and God will handle the rest, and he will speak to the rest of us so we cover the other bases. So I'm going to leave you uh, with this. Um, there is a video, because I wanted to give you a, an illustration. Uh, there is a video of a young man who was focused on education. He attended uh, Louisiana State University. That's LSU for USCC people. Um, and the reason he went to that college is because somebody told him when he was really young that, hey, you need to focus on uh, education. That's a way to get out of the uh, inner city that he grew up in and, and some of the poverty that he was exposed to. So he said, okay. So he, he followed that path. He got his degree. He went, he said, you know what? I'm going to go back to school and in those inner city places. And I'm going to teach these kids that they can be successful in education and help them, you know, pursue a different path. But you know that teachers don't make a whole lot of money, but it was his avocation to do that. And unfortunately he defaulted on his student loan debt because he had a massive student loan. And so he went to the Lord. He said, Lord, can you help me? I need some help. I need some help. And the Lord said, I need you to become a rapper. And he said, what? He said, uh-uh, I'm not trying to be a rapper. I mean, he went Noah on God. He said, I don't want to become a rapper. I'm an anti-rapper. He said, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Lord, look at the rappers. There's AZ and Easy and Jeezy and Wheezy. I don't want to be like them. There's 25 cent, 50 cent, and his cousin 75 cent. I don't want to be like those guys. What are you doing? Be a rapper. And then the Lord asked him again, I need you to be a rapper. And then he remembered it. And he remembered and he got it. You see, young people, don't get caught up in the request. You need to ask the question, who is this that's asking me? If the Lord brought him to LSU, 
got him through LSU and allowed him to prosper out of LSU. He'll bring him to this next thing, bring him through it so he can be successful in it. So he did so well as a rapper, he paid off his student loan. And he made this video, which I'm gonna show you here today. I need your FAFSA paperwork. I need your parents' tax information from 2015, 2014, 2013. A non-refundable check for 125. I I finished. I finished.
I thought I told you to bring him back on full. 